Good evening, everyone. I'm so glad you've joined us this evening. So before we start, let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for your love and your care for us. Lord, lead and guide us through your word. Lord, let tonight's message meet the needs of each one here and help us draw closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our topic is teamwork makes the dream work. And shortly before Jesus' death and resurrection, he clearly expresses that his disciples are to take the gospel to every person. That's a monumental task that we as disciples are still fulfilling today. And for the next two weeks, we are examining examples of teams in the Bible and looking at how we can apply these situations to our own effectiveness in all making disciples of all. Next week, we'll be looking at positive cases where people multiplied their efforts by working together. But this week, we're zeroing in on how some teams could have functioned more effectively. And tonight, I'm going to explore the team of Mary and Martha from Luke chapter 10 and John chapter 11. <clears throat> and there's more about this family in John chapter 12 that I'm not going into this evening, but you could read for more information. Now, this is a topic that's all too familiar for me. I can't count the number of times that my husband said to me, Martha, Martha, to me when I was stressed about all that I felt I needed to get done. Mary and Martha, along with their brother Lazarus, were friends with Jesus. They loved him, and also he loved them. And this story that I'm going to be relating has two separate parts. The first part is the dinner at Mary and Martha's house, and the second part is Lazarus's sickness, and that completes the picture. So let's look at Luke's account and then see what we can learn from Mary and Martha concerning teamwork. So I'm in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, where Jesus visits Martha and Mary. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. We can tell from this and other scriptures that Jesus was a regular guest in the home of Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. Yes, the same one who was raised from the dead after four days in the tomb. They loved Jesus, and he also loved them. So on this particular visit, Martha set to work to be hospitable. Now, I don't know about you, 
but I'm all too often finding myself in the situation of biting off more than I can chew when it comes to all the details. Perhaps in Martha's desire to provide an excellent dinner in the perfect home, she's not reali realistic about what she can accomplish. Maybe a simpler meal would have been more appropriate. So with Martha, as Martha sets out to make dinner, Mary sits at Jesus' feet and listens to him teach about eternal spiritual matters. As Martha becomes more worried and more upset about all the preparations for the dinner, she decides to enlist Jesus' assistance in getting some help out of Mary. And I especially relate to this story because as a child, one of my favorite stories was The Little Red Hen. And this is sort of like that with a different twist. She expected all the other animals to assist in the planting, the tending, the harvesting, and the baking in order to share in the loaf of bread. In the natural sense, it seems fair. But as Brother Moss says, fair is weather report. Martha expects Jesus to tell Mary to help with the preparations, but that's not what happens. She's looking at this situation, or Jesus is looking at this situation through a different lens. Notice that Jesus says Martha is worried and upset about all the details. He doesn't say that Martha is wrong in being hospitable or preparing a nice meal. His point is that this is not a situation that's important enough to stress out about. Jesus goes on to tell Martha that there's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has chosen that one thing. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and taking in his teaching, taking advantage of the opportunity to be with Jesus and learn from him. Only our relationship with Jesus and our commitment to him will matter in the end. And Jesus points this out to Martha. Just how often do all of us major on the minor? Is it a matter of perspective? It's something that we must monitor constantly. Otherwise, our selfish nature just and sense of fairness can take over in our lives. When it comes to effective teamwork, we must be aware of the forces that pull us in opposite directions. Galatians 5.17 says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. With Mary and Martha, there are opposing forces at work. The need to provide physical comfort versus the need for spiritual food. Now, I'm not saying that serving a special dinner is sinful. Jesus does not rebuke Martha for wanting to serve a nice meal. Neither does Jesus praise Mary for not helping with the meal, but he does let Martha know that he will not take away from Mary the good thing that she has chosen. 
the one thing in life that is truly needful, the relationship between the soul and God. The point here is that there must be a balance between the busyness of life and the need to worship at Jesus' feet. Mary and Martha are at opposite ends of this spectrum. Unfortunately for most of us, when life gets busy, spending time with the Lord is often the first thing to go. We can get caught up in the cares of this life and neglect time with the Lord. Our own needs and the needs of those around us seem to be never ending and they must be balanced with our spiritual need to be alone with God and with his word. As far as this balance goes, in general, the tendency is for most people to need a little bit more Mary and a little less Martha in their lives. Now let's turn to the other portion of this story concerning Lazarus and his sickness and death from John chapter 11, and I'll start with verses one through three. A man named Lazarus was sick. So this is the same brother to Mary and Martha. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. Mary and Martha both know that Jesus loves Lazarus. So they send word to him to come, but Jesus purposely delays his arrival, knowing that Lazarus will have died. The scene is set for Jesus to perform a great miracle so that all could know that he is the Son of God and has power over death. So when Martha hears that Jesus is coming, she goes out to meet him. So now I'm in John chapter 11, verses 21 to 27. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into this world from God. So even after all this sorrow, Martha still believes. The same Martha who was too busy previously to even sit and listen to Jesus. But she does not realize what Jesus is about to do. Martha goes back home and then returns with Mary. So now I'm skipping down to verses 30 through 32. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. Then Mary arrived and saw Jesus. 
she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. So Mary still believes in Jesus's healing power. And then verses 39 to 44, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Can you imagine the happy reunion in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus that evening? So what can we learn from this account of Jesus and this family that he loved so very dearly. First of all, we must have a balance between our work and our worship. The team of Mary and Martha could have been more effective if they had pulled together instead of in opposite directions on that, the day of that dinner. And as for us, in our work, we should imitate Martha, but in our worship, we should imitate Mary and achieve a balance. Number two, when we find ourselves worried and stressed, know that time alone with Jesus will help put things back in perspective. Jesus does not want us to be worried about our earthly needs. He has promised to supply them. Matthew 6.33 in the King James Version says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The key is seeking him first above all else. Number three, remember that we are not operating by our own power once we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. He will lead and guide us if we spend time and communicate with him. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six says in the King James Version again, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Number four. Be conscious of the wide range of personalities and temperaments that we encounter in our home and in our church and in our community. Do not expect all people to function in the same way. Allow yourself and others to be who God made them to be. Allow for individual differences. And number five, as we strive to work together as teams to further God's kingdom, Always remember to focus on what is really important. Do not lose sight of our greatest need above all else, 
for a close, saving relationship with the Lord. Only one thing is truly needful for us, and that is to sit at Jesus' feet and pour out our love. If we spend time doing this, the rest of our life will fall into place. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that you love us, that you watch over us and keep us. Lord, help us to not be worried and troubled, but let us trust in you, Father. Let us turn to you and spend time with you so that you can lead and guide and comfort us. And we just ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us and have a pleasant evening.